Uh, Gregor Chisholm is here from MLB.com, our Blue Jay reporter there. Uh, Gregor, welcome. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure. So uh, take us through uh, what the Jays will have to deal with in regards to Vladdy. What are they looking at? Well, I think the Vladdy situation, I mean, obviously that's kind of the most compelling storyline uh, around this team right now, and he's not even obviously on the 25-man roster, but it's more compelling what's happening in Buffalo than what's happening in Toronto right now. And, uh, you know, I think the situation with Vladdy is, is, really hasn't changed despite how well he's played this year. I mean, it's pretty simple. I don't think we're going to see him up uh, this year. I, I think they're going to keep him down in Buffalo for the remainder of this year, and I think they're going to keep him down in Buffalo at the very start of next year as well. Um, you know, a lot of Blue Jays fans probably don't want to hear that, but the fact of the matter is, if you bring him up this September, you only have him for six years after that. Uh, whereas if you bring him up in May next year, you get him for the rest of that season and then six more years on top of that. So you're essentially stealing an extra year of control and you get him for seven years. And that's, that's the harsh reality of the business. It's not necessarily always who deserves the promotion at the time when you have a special player like this, uh, that comes around not very often. Uh, you're trying to manipulate the service time so that you can ha- you can have him under control for as long as possible. And it doesn't really matter what Vladdy does in, in Buffalo right now. Uh, it, it matters in terms of fan interest and, and people monitoring him. Uh, but I think he could, he could homer in probably 15 straight games, and it wouldn't change the outlook for him. I think uh, you know the beginning of May is is when his time is going to come, and until then. Uh, he's just going to have, have to bide his time. And there there are some things he can still work on in the meantime. Obviously, he's got a pretty advanced approach to the plate. Uh, there are some defensive things he can still work on. Uh, but for the most for the most part, this guy's just biding his time until, uh, you know, that service clock allows him to come up here. In, in terms of the rest of the prospects, which is pretty well where we're headed with, with the way the team is operating now, uh, you know, this is, I think I got an email the other day that said they were, they were maybe third best in the business. How do you rate what, what else yeah. they have? Yeah, I mean, I, I, they are they're surging in terms of the overall uh, you know talent that they do have. The, the one thing I do question is, you know, there's, the reason why they're ranked so high is because of guys like Blatty, because of guys like Bo Bichette. Uh, those guys aren't too far away, obviously, from from coming up to the big leagues, and so that system is going to drop down again in terms of rankings once you get that next wave of talent up here. That's inevitable, but there is some there is some depth behind that. You know, guys like Kevin Smith have really uh, taken a step forward this year. Uh, the lower levels of the minors are certainly more stocked than they used to be. Uh, but what's really appealing about this system right now is the guys who aren't too far away. Uh, you know, Guerrero, uh, Bichette, a guy like Sean Reed Foley is, is someone who I would, I would like to see the Jays bring up here, uh, before the end of the year. You know, it seems at this point pretty debatable as to whether or not they're going to do that. I think they're taking a similar approach with Reed Foley as, as what they did with Ryan Barucki last year. Ryan Barucki was, uh, you know, mentioned as a potential September call up a year ago. The Jays decided to keep him down in the minor leagues and, and, and kind of keep his development uh, you know, on, on a standard path. They might do the same with Reed Foley, but personally I'd like to see him uh, come up a, a little bit later on this season. He's, he's been on a really nice run at Buffalo. Uh, he's really taken a big step forward this year. and uh, You're not worried about service time with guys like that. You're only worried about service time with a guy like Vladimir Guerrero, who you know once he comes up, he's not going back. Uh, you can't say the same about a guy like Sean Reed Foley. So I think it would it would do a, a lot of good for him uh, to come up in September and make a start or two for this team and just get a feel for uh, the big leagues. And then he would be in the mix for a potential rotation spot uh, next year, at the very least be that first line of defense, uh, that if someone goes down with an injury early next season, he would be the guy. So uh, I think some of those ones are the ones you would look at. Danny Jansen is another one who will come up um, you know, at some point later this year. Uh, they really need to start, you know, getting him working with the pitching staff and, and, and an ability for him to break in as well and get a little bit comfortable before 
um, you know, assuming he takes one of those catcher spots next year. So there's going to be some of those those second tier uh, prospects who are pretty good who, who should make their an appearance at some point this year. Uh, but the top guys uh, certainly are going to have to bide their time a little bit longer. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but that second layer that you're talking about, if, if the overall franchise uh, the farm system is, is rated at third, that mm-hmm. second layer, where would that come in? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, I think they're a little bit more middle of the pack in terms of what they have overall. Once you get the graduation of guys like Bichette and Guerrero, uh, they are going to drop down. But, uh, you know, what's going to be interesting is, is to follow the guy's progress, like Nate Pearson. He's another top prospect that they have. He's had a bit of a, a, a tough year this year with injuries. Um, but that second wave is definitely coming. I mean, you see it down more uh, in the levels of, of Lansing and Dunedin uh, than you do at, at, at AA right now. Um, but, you know, that, that wave is, is there. Uh, I think that what really kind of turns this into next year will be more of the traditional rebuild. I, I think you're going to see a lot more of the young guys. I mean, that's the thing about this season. In a lot of ways, it's basically become a lost year because, you know, there's there's so much talk about the rebuild. Well, the, the rebuild is happening, but all the guys aren't here yet. And so that's kind of, I think, hard for a lot of fans to take. It's one thing to watch a bad team when, when you've got some youth there and you can follow their progress. It's another thing to watch a bad team like fans are watching right now with this Blue Jays team where you can take a look at that 25-man roster there might be three or four guys at most who are probably going to be on this team two years from now. I mean, that's just the harsh reality of the situation. Uh, you got guys like Barucki and, and Loris Gurriel who are going to be part of the future. It remains to be seen if Teoscar Hernandez is, is going to be able to play well enough defensively to hold down an outfield spot long term. Uh, but outside of those guys, you really don't have too many people that are a, a big part of the future. And uh, Next year is going to be that year where the results might be pretty similar that you see on the field. Uh, but at the very least, for fans, it should be a little bit more interesting because uh, you'll have some younger guys that you'll be paying a little bit more attention to uh, their ceiling and what they might become as opposed to right now. You're you're seeing a lot of veteran players who are what they are right now. And, uh, I mean, at this point, the Jays are really just trying to get through the season. Gregor, do you see a lot of activity with the Jays in terms of trades going into the, the final deadline at the end of this month? Yeah, I think they're going to be a little bit more active than normal. I mean, obviously, the, the, the big elephant in the room is, is Josh Donaldson and whether or not you can get something for him. I mean, he's really starting to run out of time here pretty quickly. He's supposed to start sprinting this week, uh, but he was supposed to start sprinting last week too, and that didn't happen. So, uh, obviously, I mean, this when he went on the DL, uh, you know, I still remember that that day in Detroit. I was down there. He was adamant he was coming back in ten days, and said, you know, the only reason he was even going on the DL was to make sure the Blue, Jay- Blue Jays didn't have to play shorthanded, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. I mean, that was that was more than two months ago now at this point in time, and. Uh, if he can get back onto the field for a week uh, and some other teams can take a look look at him, obviously he's the type of impact bat that would still generate a lot of interest. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not he can get onto the field. And the, beyond that, there's some other guys that they'll probably look at moving too. Like if, if there's a contender that comes calling uh, for uh, Marco Estrada, uh, he'd obviously be a guy they'd be willing to move as well, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, a guy like Tyler Clippert. It wouldn't expect much of a turn, return for that. Uh, but this will be more of an active uh, August than most, uh, especially because the Jays still had some unfinished business uh, when the July 31st deadline wrapped up. Uh, no, honestly, not a big fan of this story, but it seems inevitable. What happens with Gibby? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking for a long time he's not going to be back next year. I mean, that seems like pretty much a foregone conclusion. You can kind of sense that in and around the team. Um, I really think that they should leave it up to him as to whether or not he wants to finish out this year. 
Um, if, if he wants to finish it out, then I think he should be given that opportunity. Switching him out for an interim manager like DeMarlo Hale at this point doesn't accomplish anything. Uh, if you're doing it as a bit of a courtesy so that he doesn't have to do the march day after day when uh, everybody knows he's not coming back next year, then if you're doing that as a bit of a courtesy to him, then I would think that's understandable. But it just seems hard to believe for me uh, that he would be back next year. I mean, this, this organization really is turning the page on a new chapter here. Uh, and they're about to, to go into basically a full-blown uh, rebuild at this point in time. And, and I'm just not so sure that uh, John Gibbons would even be all that interested in that. I mean, you're talking about uh, be at least a couple years away from really putting a competitive team back in the field. Uh, Gibbons has been doing this a very long time. I would be surprised if he wants to tough that out. Uh, so I, w- I would be really surprised if he's back next year. Um, and, I, and I think over the next six weeks or so, whether or not he finishes that out, uh, really ultimately should be a conversation between Gibbons and, and Atkins about about how they want to handle uh, the next couple of months because I think everyone around the situation right now is basically determined it's a foregone conclusion that, that the Jays are going to do something else and go in a bit of a d- different direction uh, this offseason. Greg, I really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much. No problem. Anytime. Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter.